and welcome into another edition of Queued Up. It is Friday, October 28th, 2022. Quinton Pelzel with you for the next 15, 20 minutes or so as I recap what happened in the week and preview what the NFL has to offer this week with the Jets and the Giants and then, of course, the World Series tonight. And speaking of the World Series, let's just get right into that right away. We got a ton to get into so let's get right into this Astros versus Phillies tonight in Houston. I still cannot believe the Phillies are in the World Series, but be that as it may, um, it's been a pretty long layoff. The last baseball that was played was on Monday, so we've gone three full days, and we are finally getting baseball. I think a lot of people around the United States have kind of forgotten about the World Series if you're not in Houston or Philadelphia. I don't know what the ratings are going to be for that. I don't expect them to be high, but I do know that a lot of people will be rooting for the Phillies and against the Astros because of the cheating scandal back in 2017, because apparently a lot of people still think that the Astros are cheating in some way. But I will be rooting for the Astros. I will be in the minority on that one. There's going to be a lot of Phillies fans, including pretty much all Yankee fans that will be rooting for the Phillies. And then you have the Astros who will be rooted for by Mets fans, I would say. I think that most Mets fans can put that cheating scandal behind them and come together and say that, you know, the Phillies cannot win. At all costs, the Phillies cannot win because I cannot stand to see another team from the NL East, not named the New York Mets, win the World Series. And, you know, last year, I can kind of see it because the Braves were better than the Mets, but... When the Nationals won it a few years ago against the Astros, the Mets dominated the Nationals in 2019, and the Nationals still won the World Series. The Mets dominated the Phillies this year in the regular season, and the Phillies are four games away from winning the World Series. I really can't believe it, but uh, each team is well-rested now. The Astros, I would say, are the team to beat. They're 6-0. and How can they not be? They're Starting pitching is lined up with Verlander going tonight against Aaron Nola. The Astros definitely have the upper hand in that department. And the Astros, I believe, just have the better pitching all around. That's what's gotten them to this point. That's why they're undefeated. And to think that Jose Altuve really hasn't even had a role in the Astros' wins, that's kind of scary if you're a Phillies fan because now if Jose Altuve does get it going and he gets hot, which he is one of the streakiest hitters in all of baseball, and it's definitely possible that he does, the Phillies are going to be in it, and they're going to be uh, they're going to be treading water because the Astros they haven't really gotten that offense going the way that they wanted to, and Jordan Alvarez hasn't really been Jordan Alvarez. Jose Altuve hasn't been Jose Altuve. Um, if those two can get it going, it's going to be a wrap, and this series will end. I would say in five but you know just because it's the world series and uh, everything is um, magnified even more uh, there's going to be some nerves I would say it'd be six but I would not be surprised if the Astros win in five so that is my prediction I do want to see the Astros and Dusty Baker win Um, I like Dusty Baker I think he's a good manager and uh, I think everyone around baseball would like to see Dusty win seems like a lot of of the, a lot of the beat reporters on Twitter do want to see Dusty win. So we'll see how that storyline plays out. Uh, that is going to be tonight, 8 o'clock, I believe, is the first pitch. And that will be on Fox. Next up, I do want to just talk briefly about basketball before we get into the NFL, and then we'll wrap up this podcast 
with the picks, but uh, the Knicks, they look pretty good. They're 3-1 and one right now. Jalen Brunson has been the man, and I'm going to be honest. I did not think that Jalen Brunson was going to be this good this quickly. I didn't even think he was going to be this good, but here he is. He's playing his heart out. He's 3-1. and one. The Knicks play the Bucks tonight, and you know, you can make the case that the Knicks would be 1-3 and three without Jalen Brunson. The way that he can manage the offense and not turn the ball over and look so composed in crunch time, really, you can't say enough about that because the Knicks have not had that type of point guard in quite a while, and you can certainly see the difference because he makes everyone else better. So Jalen Brunson, that is money well spent. I was against the Knicks mortgaging their draft picks, freeing up salary, but it has worked out so far, so you got to give Leon Rose a ton of credit, and you got to give the Knicks coaching staff some credit as well for putting this team together, and it's looking pretty good. So Knicks and Bucks tonight, the Nets just keep losing, and they just don't play defense. That's what it comes down to. It seems like Ben Simmons is the only one that's playing defense, and Ben Simmons just doesn't score, and I think a lot of people are going to get on Simmons because he doesn't score and he doesn't really light it up in the stat sheet, but he leads the Nets in rebounds. He's one of the best passers on the team. He does everything else except to score, and when you have two of the best scorers on your team, it shouldn't really matter. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are going to lead this Nets offense because they can score the basketball. Ben Simmons does not have to do that. I think they told Simmons at the beginning of the year, if you can be out there, if you can match their best offensive player and give us 10, 11 rebounds a game, assist the ball, be our point guard, then that is fine. That is plenty. You have earned your max contract, and you're not going to be asked to do anything else. But uh, it's just been a struggle for the Nets so far. I would be surprised if Steve Nash makes it much further if this continues for the Nets. And, I mean, they just, the bottom line is they shouldn't have gotten rid of Kenny Atkinson a couple years ago when they brought in Durant and Irving. Atkinson was one of the best things to happen to this Nets franchise, and they just shelled him away because Kevin Durant did not want Atkinson on the team, which is just an atrocity. And it just goes to show that I think the player power in the NBA has just gotten to a point where it's unbearable because you have these superstar players coming in and running. NBA teams, and that's not their job. Their job is to play basketball. That's that's their sole priority. It's to play basketball. They should not be involved with the front office. I mean, see, look what's happened with uh, the Lakers out in L.A. when LeBron James got there. That Lakers team is a shell of what they were when LeBron got there, and they're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. LeBron wanted Russell Wil- Russell Westbrook, not Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook on the Lakers, and see how that's turned out. The Lakers are a dumpster fire right now, and that's why you got to leave it up to upper management to make the decision on the coach. I mean, you can have a player like Durant and Irving give you input, but they should not be the ones making the decisions. And it just seems like from the outside, Kevin Durant was the one that said, you know what? Yeah, Atkinson, I don't like him. He's too hard on us. Get rid of him and bring in Steve Nash, a great player coach buddy-buddy guy who the players are going to get along with the coach, but that is not what most of these players need. They need some guy who's going to push them and get the most out of them. And right now, the Nets are just not getting it done. Kind of sped through some baseball and basketball. Wanted to save a lot of time to analyze some football for this weekend. We got Thursday night football last night that I want to get into. Buccaneers against the Ravens. 
The Ravens winning 27-22. It looked like the Buccaneers actually solved a little bit of their offensive woes from last week. If you remember, the Buccaneers were dominated by the Carolina Panthers, one of the worst teams in the NFL last week. And the Buccaneers, they scored 10 points in the first quarter and then did not score until the fourth quarter. And by that time, the Ravens had already run away with it. Lamar Jackson had two touchdown passes. And the Ravens really turned it on in the second half because they ran the football and they were without Mark Andrews, their top receiver, because he left with a shoulder injury, I think it was. But you can see where this game changed in the second half when the Ravens started to run the ball. When they run the ball, they're at their best, not when Lamar Jackson is sitting back in the pocket and throwing it. And, I mean, he threw it 38 times last night. That is definitely a little bit more than what you would expect. I think he threw it 25 or 30 times in the first half. So... He didn't throw it a lot in the second half, and the Ravens turned it on. They scored 24 points in the second half, and they routed the Buccaneers. Buccaneers now 3-5, and five, the Ravens 5-3. and three. There's just something not right about this Buccaneers team. I don't know what it is, if it's Tom Brady not playing as well as he has been in the past, or if it's Todd Bowles being the head coach instead of Bruce Arians. But it's just something is just not clicking for this Buccaneers team. It could be the injuries, and they had a ton of injuries last night. Russell Gage was out. Three or four of their starters on defense were out. But I don't think this was a defensive problem for the Buccaneers. It is offensive because they went the second and third quarters without scoring a point. And that is just, you you don't really see that for a Tom Brady-led offense. You know, they're always going to get at least some points, whether it's going to be a field goal or a touchdown. But They just weren't able to move the ball consistently, too many three and outs, and it just has not worked out. I'm kind of interested to see how it's going to play out, if Tom Brady can correct it, if the Buccaneers offense can look like they at least have a pulse over the next few weeks. But if they can't, I mean, they do have the luxury of playing in a really bad division, and they're in first place, or they're a half game out right now, and the Atlanta Falcons are three and four. They're actually in first place right now. So if the Atlanta Falcons are in first place at three and four, I think even as bad as you have been, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you got to feel okay about where you are because you're not even playing close to your best football and you're still only a half game out and you're playing in a terrible division. So I think the Buccaneers will get it straightened out, but right now it looks bad. Now let's get into some Jets versus Patriots this weekend. That game will be at MetLife Stadium. The Patriots coming in 3-4. and four. The Jets 5-2. and two. And guess what? The Patriots are favored by 2.5 points in MetLife Stadium. This is one of the first times since like 2001 where the Jets actually have a better record than the Patriots do. And this has to be a game where the Jets win. Because looking ahead, the schedule does not look good. They play the Bills, and then they come back and play the Patriots. So they need to win this weekend. This is a Patriots team that is reeling right now. They don't know who their quarterback is going to be. I guess Bill Belichick said yesterday that Mac Jones is now 100%. So he should be the quarterback. But the Patriots have two quarterbacks right now. And what's that old saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And that's, I think, where the Patriots are right now. You had that whole debacle last week with Mac Jones starting the game and then Bailey Zappi coming in, capturing the entire stadium by storm. Uh, The stadium was pumped up, and then the Patriots end up losing and getting crushed by the Chicago Bears. So I'm excited also to see Zach Wilson. 
Wilson needs to be mistakeless against the against Bill Belichick because Belichick likes to expose Jets quarterbacks. We've seen it with Mark Sanchez and the butt fumble. We've seen it with Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. I do not want that same situation with Zach Wilson. He cannot give in to the tricks of Bill's defense, and he has got to stay to the game plan. The Jets went out and they got James Robinson. I love the trade. I think the Jets, that fits their mantra. They lost Brees Hall, and they brought in another running back who kind of has that same physique as Brees Hall, a guy who they can give it to on third and two, third and three, and get those tough, gritty yards. Because let's be honest, Michael Carter cannot do that. I like Michael Carter out of the backfield. I like him catching the ball. I like him running to the outside. He's quick. He's shifty. But he is not going to be running in between the tackles like James Robinson or Brees Hall can. And the Jets, their identity is a run-first offense. That's no shade at Zach Wilson, but it's just the way this team was built. The good Jets teams of old have been built on ground and pound, and that's what this Jets team is built on. So that being said, I do think Zach Wilson is going to be relied upon to make some plays. Obviously, even if you're a ground and pound team, you need your quarterback to make some plays, and he does. He's been looking pretty bad over the past couple weeks, and he just needs to have a good game. I think it'll be good for his confidence, too, because I think deep down inside, even though they're winning, he knows that they're not winning because of Zach Wilson. So he needs to have a game where he can feel good about himself going into the rest of the season, especially going into this next Buffalo Bills matchup. But that'll be an interesting game. That game's at 1 o'clock. And move on now to the Giants. They'll be playing the Seahawks. Giants right now 6-1. and one, And they are expected to win this game. In my opinion, they are without Kadarius Toney. If you missed it, Kadarius Toney traded to the Chiefs, the Giants getting back a third and a sixth round pick. Very good for a guy who can't get on the field. I think the Giants really made out strong because this was a guy that was unmotivated and he probably wasn't going to be playing again this year because he is just not there in terms of his uh, mindset and he's just been hurt. His two hamstrings, he had knee surgery in the offseason and it just didn't seem like it was going to work out for the Giants. And this is a very good buy if you're the Chiefs because, I mean, this was a guy who was drafted in the first round last year. And to uh, be paying a third-round pick, you can look at it like, yeah, so you're buying low on a Kadarius Tony, and he can very well turn out to be a Tyreek Hill because we saw that last year with the Giants. Uh, Kadarius Tony had a game against the Cowboys where he had 12 catches, and he had like 45 fantasy points. So he can definitely turn it on. And I think in a Patrick Mahomes-led offense, if Kadarius Toney can get on the field, he's got an opportunity to be good. But I don't think it was going to be done with the Giants, and I think Brian Dable and Joe Shane realized that, and that's why they got rid of him and got a third-round pickback, which is pretty good for a guy who you probably weren't going to see on the field anytime soon. So I expect the Giants to make more moves in the week ahead. The trade deadline, I believe, is on November 1st. And that being said, I do think the Jets might even be in play for um, another player too. But the Giants will be looking for a wide receiver, and I think there are a lot of them out there. So you can pick Jerry Judy, and they're not going to be the only team looking for a wide receiver. I think the Packers will, and they'll be competing with a couple other teams. And we'll also see where Odell Beckham goes at some point in the near future. So that'll be something to look forward to. But the Giants against the Seahawks, that game in Seattle. Seattle is favored against the Giants. Again, both of these New York teams not getting any love from the sports books, and it's up to them to change that narrative. 
Uh, Daniel Jones has looked very good. He was the catalyst last week for the Giants, and I expect him to do the same. And Geno Smith, who would have thought Geno Smith uh, in the year 2022 from where he was at with the Jets and how his season or his uh, career ended with the Giants. And now here he is with the Seahawks doing what he's doing, being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's really been remarkable what the Seahawks have done, especially with the way that the offseason went, trading away your star quarterback. And it seems like the Seahawks made out like bandits. I mean, they got a haul back for Russell Wilson, and Wilson is pulling those antics over with the Broncos. That has not, that is, that's been a circus show over there uh, in Denver. But it should be a really good game. Two really good games for both New York teams. They're not playing at the same time, which is good. Jets going the early game. The Giants are in Seattle, so they'll be going at 4 o'clock. And now it's time for the NFL picks of the week. We've got a few more minutes left. And let's just get right into it. If you're taking a look at the point spreads this week, there are a lot of teams that are expected to win by a lot of points. And that first game that I will be taking is the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus 10.5 against the Eagles. I've been on the Steelers now for a few weeks. And in each of those games that I've picked, the Steelers have been more than a touchdown underdogs. And in some of those cases, they've even won the game. So I'm taking the Steelers, plus 10.5. Kenny Pickett is going to be the starter. He has the potential to go off, or he has the potential to um, throw three or four interceptions. I think he's going to go off this week, at least relative, maybe 250, 300 yards. I think he's going to have one of his best games against this Philadelphia Eagles team, a team that upgraded this past week with Robert Quinn. But... They are coming off of a bye, so I think it's going to take them a little bit to get into the swing of things, and by then, the Steelers will already be up by a field goal or a touchdown. I don't think the Steelers will win the game, but I do not think they will lose by more than 10 points. So give me the Steelers and the points, plus 10.5 against the Eagles. Next game is the Bears, plus 9.5 versus the Cowboys. I'm going to take the points and run with the Bears. The Bears dominated the Patriots this past week. And I think the Cowboys' offense is a bit overrated. I don't think they upgraded too much with Dak Prescott over Cooper Rush. I think Dak Prescott now, over the past couple of years, has not played great. I think a lot of people are expecting Dak Prescott to be the savior for the Cowboys, a team that actually has done pretty well this year. But I just think a lot of people overrate Dak Prescott, and I do not think the Cowboys' offense deserve as much credit as they are getting. They're also going to be without Ezekiel Elliott this week. At least it's trending that way. Tony Pollard will be that number one. And a lot of people think in Cowboy land that Tony Pollard is better than Zeke anyway. But Zeke does give you an element of the running game that Tony Pollard does not. And it kind of goes off of the point that I was making with the Jets early on with Michael Carter and James Robinson. When you had Michael, when you have Michael Carter and James Robinson, those are two different running backs. James Robinson's a guy you can, and that's the same thing with the Cowboys, with Elliott, who can run it up the middle. It's going to be tough to get those third and threes, third and twos. A guy that you can normally give it to is Elliott, and he's not going to be there this week. I think that's going to impact them. I think the Bears are definitely um, going to be competitive in this game, and I'm going to take the plus nine and a half. And Sunday Night Football, Packers plus 11 versus the Bills. So I'm taking the heavy underdogs in all of these games. Packers plus 11. It's hard to imagine a team that is led by Aaron Rodgers to be 11-point underdogs, even if it is against the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking the Packers plus 11 in Buffalo. 
So that'll do it for me. Thank you for listening and have a terrific rest of your Friday and enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the World Series. I'll be back on Monday to recap it all.